to choosing that. So uh, my name is Joe Davis. I'm the lead teaching pastor here in the garden. Just a couple of housekeeping items. Do you guys see these bins that are on the sides and in the back with the little slots in the top? Those are not garbage cans. Those, <laughs> those are places where you can, if you want to support what's going on in the garden, being part of the movement that we have here, uh, that's where you can put your offerings. Uh, as you put those in there. So just to let you guys know that now, so don't put your empty coffee cups in there and half-eaten donuts or anything like that. Uh, put your checks in there, so it'd be great. Um, this week we're going to be t- continuing with our, our study at Philippians uh, with love from prison. And this is number eight in our series. We have about three, maybe four left. Then we got a special surprise type of service for you that we're going to be doing at some point before the fall. And also there's going to be one week where the youth take over uh, the service. We're looking forward to that. And in the fall, we'll start our series on Matthew, a lectionary series that the whole church is doing together on the book of Matthew, and I'm very excited about that. Um, This week I'm teaching you how to love through confidence. Last week I talked about loving through animal control, and Paul says in the first part of Philippians 3, there are dogs out there, and they're evildoers because they teach things that mutilate the flesh. And I taught you how what happens basically is there are those who develop a following among church people that teach false doctrine. And we tried to call a few out, and I tried to explain to you there's a difficulty as a pastor that, that, you know, pastors that we have. We have to figure out a way to be bold and proclaim the fact that there's some stuff out there that's just crap. It's terrible. But we have to do it in a way that develops unity and compassion, but at the same time, we don't compromise what we truly believe. There are some things we hold sacred. The Scripture is inspired. Jesus is the only way. Baptism does not save you. Jesus saves you. And God saves people. He does a good job. People can't work their way out. They couldn't work their way in. They can't work their way out. There are some things that we believe that are part of Church of the Palms in the garden that we hold sacred. And then Paul says, those people who teach otherwise are dogs. And then he goes on with a pretty confident thing. Now, let me tell you a little personal story about confidence. I love playing basketball. Being as tall as I am, I'm really <laughs> basketball body right here, you know. <clears throat> and every once in a while, you know, I'll get on a streak and I'm hitting some jumpers, right? I'll hit four, five, six in a row, and then I get some confidence. And here's the thing that I always like to do. I've been doing this since I was 16, and it never really works out. But I start to get hot, and somebody's running at me like to block my shot. And before I shoot it, I'm really confident, and I'll blow them a kiss, and I'll shoot it. And I don't know why, church, but over the course of playing basketball for nearly, you know, 30 years, my shooting percentage when I blow somebody a kiss is about 8%. (laughs) I just don't understand it. I could be on fire, hitting everything I want. I'm feeling good, so I catch the pass, and I go... And it always misses. I don't know what the thing, but I have this confidence. And what I recognize is, Joe, your confidence is fake confidence. It's fake confidence. But for some reason, I'm always still, my flesh is always still sucked into having this confidence that I can hit any shot that I take at some point. And then God reminds me, Joe, you're short. (laughs) You're fat. You're a white guy you're going to miss a lot of shots. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 3, 4 through 11. Let's read this. 
Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew among Hebrews. In other words, if there was anybody that could have a claim to be a hierarchy in the Hebrew nation, it was me. As to the law or religion, I was a Pharisee. In other words, I knew more than anybody around me. I had more knowledge than anyone. As to zeal, in other words, being excited about the law, I was a persecutor of the church, the very church he's encouraging at the moment. And his persecution, guys, was vicious. It was cruel. It was bloody. It was murderous. Paul had no patience for people of faith. As, a, as to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Here's what he says. All the laws that I was supposed to follow, all the Levitical laws, the dietary laws, the laws that come down from the Talmud and the temple, I kept them to a T. I was really disciplined. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. And that word rubbish is actually a lot more graphic than people realize. And I'm not going to go into all the things that rubbish means, but it just doesn't mean crumbled up newspapers and cigarette butts. I count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or religion. Whenever you see the word law today, I want you to substitute religion. But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And what is faith? Remember Ephesians 2, 8, 9? Faith is a gift. Not of yourselves or else you'd be able to brag. See, that's not the type of confidence we're talking about. That I may know him and the power, see the word power, insert confidence, and the confidence of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. I want to talk a little bit about the ladder of religious success. Let's look at some of the symptoms of those that may be trying to climb this religious ladder. First of all, you would have pride in your associations. In verse 5, he says that. Look, circumcised of the eighth day, eighth, eighth day, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, I know people. Look, I know the famous ones. I know the important ones. I take pride in the fact that I know people. I hang out with people that you do not hang out with. And maybe you don't even express that verbally, but you express it with your actions, with your attitude, maybe when you name drop. People who are climbing a religious ladder of success, and success, of course, is an oxymoron for failure. They have pride in their associations. That's verse 5. They have arrogance in their righteousness, also in verse 5. He says, concerning the law, a Pharisee,
They have misdirected zealousness. He says, as far as zeal goes or passion for the law, I was a persecutor of the church. You know, a lot of Christians who are climbing the spiritual or the religious ladder of success, a lot of them have misguided zealousness. Now, I'm not talking about things that we should hold to fast, things that we believe the Scripture teaches. That's not the type of zealousness I'm talking about. I'm talking about the type of zealousness when you project what righteousness other people should have even though you yourself are failing. Scripture says, Jesus says, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. You heap on other people burdens that you yourself cannot even keep. That's misdirected zealousness. That's legalism. It's arrogance. It's judgment. It's thinking of yourselves as superior to others, a concept Paul talked about with the Philippians. And so people who are on this ladder of religious success, they have pride in their associations, they have arrogance in their righteousness, they have misdirected zealousness. Zealousness that actually seems godly, but it really isn't. And they have a misguided view of their own credibility. In verse 6, he says this, As to zeal, persecutor of the church, as to righteous under the law, I was blameless. And so we see what happens with people who think they're progressing religiously. They may not even think it's religious. They may think it's faithful. But in reality, these are some symptoms of people. And I don't know what you're thinking. I have a long list of people who are just like that. We all are tempted by that shiny ladder that is right in front of us constantly as Christians. We're all tempted, aren't we, at different times to take a step on the rung of this shiny ladder of religious success? And we think somehow that there is this allure of confidence, there's this allure of, of accomplishment, there's this allure of, of respect and admiration of others. If we can just get high enough on this ladder that people can see how good we are. The end product of a person that is on the ladder of religious success is a person that becomes arrogant, divisive, unforgiving, judgmental, producing criticism that is born of the evil one. Paul talked about the dogs, the evildoers. And they do all this cloaked in religious superiority. And this person, while believing they are standing for truth, actually stands for division and the enemy's agenda. An example, Paul, before his conversion. Let's look at the qualities of those not climbing the ladder of religious success. Their focus is not on their own elevation, but on the elevated Christ. He says, but whatever gain I had, I counted it loss for the sake of Christ. So their focus is on elevation of Christ, not their own climbing of the ladder. Next one, their eyes aren't on steps of the ladder, but they're on steps with Christ. Verse 8, he says this. Indeed, I count everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord.
And their goal is not the collection of awards and honors and offices and positions, but their goal is the collection of smiles from the Savior. All of it is loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing. And that word knowing means an intimate understanding, an intimate connection, an intimate relationship with Christ Jesus my Lord. All that other stuff, that latter stuff, all that stuff, I throw it all away because I want to know Jesus and I want Jesus to know me. And then they don't desire to be found religious through works, but they want to be found righteous through faith. Verse 9. And to be found in him not having my own righteousness that comes from the law, or remember, insert religion, but which comes through Christ, through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That's verse 9. So you can see the qualities of those who are not pursuing the religious ladder of success. And see, the end result of a person that stays off this religious ladder of success is a person that is bathed in humility, basking in confidence, but it's in Christ, esteems others to be better than himself, how can you think of others as better than yourself when you're always climbing a religious ladder? You can't. But when your confidence is in faith, you can see others as better than himself. These are people who offer words of exhortation to righteousness, not judgment to conformity. See, religious people judge people in order to get them to conform to what they believe they should be. People who aren't religious but faithful encourage people to righteousness to what they can be through Christ. There's a big difference. I always tell parents, when parents are coming to me, how do we help me with my kid? My kid is struggling. But you know what I always tell them? Conformity breeds rebellion. What you really want, and it's not a real word, I make it up, what you really want is transformity, not conformity. And if you are a person of faith, what you want to see in people is transformity. If you are a person of religion, you desire massive conformity. And conformity is powerless, it's useless, and it's driven by the flesh. And so I have no confidence in it. Because conformity is always temporary. No matter how long it lasts or how shiny it looks. <clears throat> People who stay off the ladder, they can recognize sin and respond to it in a way that brings love and unity like Paul did. We talked about that. They don't respond to it in judgment and pride. They are effective tools for life transformation, not deadly salvos that destroy relationships, salvos and missile shots that destroy unity, salvos and missile shots of arrogance and judgment that destroy ministries, they destroy lives. And they destroy walks with Christ. But this isn't just about Christianity. This concept can be applied to almost every other religious system in the world. And so I want to bring up a few, some examples 
of belief systems that, from my opinion, don't really produce confidence, but in many ways can foster anxiety. I mean, the first one is Buddhism. The goal for Buddhism is cease all desires. I will never accomplish that. I love Pop-Tarts and pizza way too much. The biggest obstacle to me being a Buddhist is pizza. It's true. Confucianism. Pursue education, reflection. Oh, and by the way, live a moral life. How much confidence you got if you're a Confucianist? Is that our word? Confucian I? Confucianary? I don't know. The next one, Hinduism. Detach yourself from your separated ego and live in unity with the divine. Oh, okay. No problem there. Right? I can have confidence as a Hindu very quickly. I can detach myself from my separated ego and live in unity with the divine. That's easy. <laughs> Judaism, follow God's law. I got up at 6.45 this morning. At 6.47, I failed <laughs> keeping God's law. The New Age, which is very big now, and it's corrupting much of the church. See yourself as connected to the whole of divine oneness. Live in concert with creation. I'm fighting creation. Do you feel the humidity out there today? I don't want to be one with humidity. I had to cut a bush. My wife's been after me to cut this bush in our yard, and I cut it yesterday. This thing's got thorns that are like a 10 feet long. Okay, an inch long. And I'm trying to trim it up, you know, and make it. Ow, man, my, my fingers are... It hurt. I'm fighting creation all the time. I'd be a terrible New Age pastor. Taoism. Align yourself with the Tao and literally go with the flow. I don't even know what a Tao is. But if you're going to have confidence as a Taoist, you better align yourself with it because if not, you ain't going to make it. Islam. Live a moral life do good deeds, and you will stand before Allah in the end. And if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, and Allah so wills it, you will be declared righteous. I got no confidence in my ability to work the system of Islam. None. And there are many other corrupt forms of Christianity that teach the Jesus plus works, or Jesus plus certain types of liturgy, or Jesus plus certain types of sacraments equals grace. Wait a minute, grace is undeserved favor. How can it ever be Jesus plus anything? I don't want to go into all those examples today, but there are many out there. And let me tell you something, they're from dogs. Can you see how elusive confidence would be in any of these religious systems? Can you see how any confidence you might get in these systems is just an act and it's a lie and at very best temporary? Can you see how these religious systems would continue to foster guilt, failure, low self-esteem, bitterness, emptiness, lack of accomplishment, two steps forward, three steps back, unattainable goals? even though the whole system is about what you can accomplish in this life? You wonder how Christianity and Jesus is different 
from all other world religions? Well, let's look at that, right? I mean, compare all other religions to the gospel. Here's what the gospel says. We are sinners. We are helpless to save ourselves. And God, through his son Jesus, at his will, saves us, transforms us by taking our depravity and our sinfulness and putting it on the cross where Christ does the religious work for us. And he makes us righteous. So our confidence isn't in the flesh like we talked about last week. It's in Christ. It's not in our religion or this ladder of success. It's in our trust that the sufferings of Jesus are what paid our price, and those sufferings of Jesus are what make us whole. Paul says all of this rubbish, all of this garbage, all of this other stuff is a waste of time compared to what he has been given by God through Christ. Here is how Christianity is uniquely different and set apart from every other world religion. Instead of Jesus laying out this gauntlet of thought process and philosophy and burden that you must try to comply with over the course of your life, instead of that, he said this, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. What happens is, he says, there's no way you could ever be a Taoist. There's no way you could ever be a Hindu. There's no way you could ever follow Islam. There's no way you could ever be a Jew. There's no way you could ever be a Buddhist. You can't do any of it. So here's what's going to happen. I will take the burden on myself. And he takes my deficiencies and my unrighteousness puts it on his own shoulders. And then Jesus' perfection and his righteousness and his holiness and he puts it on me. He takes all my junk to the cross. We trade places. So instead of us running this gauntlet of religion, he runs it for us. He takes my unrighteousness, he gives me his righteousness, which is a gift, not earned. And it's not a gift that you have to continue to keep earning after it's been given to you. Like when my parents first gave me a car, here's a car, it's a gift. But if you get one ticket, it's gone. Guys, listen to us. I'm trying to tell you, if you think you can keep your faith, you get tickets every day. Jesus keeps you. Because he ran the gauntlet for you. When I stand before my God, my answer will be Christ alone. Because my only righteousness is gifted righteousness from Jesus. So how can we define this confidence that Paul has? Can we pinpoint it in our own lives? I have a word that I'm going to teach you. I like to teach you, you know, words or two-worded phrases, you know, every once in a while. I taught you about, you know, affectionate accountability a couple weeks ago. Today, I want to talk about the comparison. You see all these religions. There's no confidence that these bear out. It's all about what you can do, what you can be, how you can perform. But through Jesus, you can have humble confidence. 
And when you grasp this concept of humble confidence in grace, which is undeserved favor, <clears throat> it changes how you see yourself as a kingdom agent. Because this humble confidence that we have in grace is not founded on the folly of our accomplishment, our growth, or our satisfied self-improvement lists. No, this humble confidence is founded in the great exchange at the cross. Humble confidence is power that comes from God through Jesus Christ by His Holy Spirit. Humble confidence is born out of brokenness. But humble confidence is a powerful agent for change in others. Don't believe me? Look at Paul. He was very confident. But as he says, his confidence wasn't in his religious success. It came when he realized that his success was garbage and rubbish. And Christ was the source of his humble confidence. And through his humble confidence, Paul could love the Philippians in a way that no one else could. He could talk straight to them, not out of arrogance, but out of humble confidence. Our ability to love and shepherd others is born out of humble confidence that comes when Christ's righteousness has been exchanged for our own religious failures. Do you get that? Our confidence comes when Christ's righteousness, after he runs the gauntlet of the cross, he runs the gauntlet that all other world religions want to put on you, he says, no, 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 you can't do it, I can, I'll take it on, I'll do the work, and when I'm done, not only will I have taken your religious failures and put them on my shoulders, I will take my righteousness and bathe and clothe and soak you in it so that you can have humble confidence to impact others. So today, as you leave, I want you to leave with humble confidence, not because you're a good Presbyterian, because none of you are. You aren't. I'm not either. Our confidence doesn't go in a denomination, does not go into associations, does not go into our to-do lists. It goes into one thing, Jesus Christ who gave his righteousness and took our failures.